Thank you for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We are currently in the series, Nailed It. We hope it's a blessing to you. We're in a unique series where we are looking at some historical events that transpired in the 16th century that initiated or sparked a spiritual awakening or a reformation within the church. What makes it very unique is that these events that happened several years ago are still impacting the church today. Speaking of the church, here we are, 500 years after these events took place, we're meeting, we're gathered as Valley Point Church, and we're doing the kinds of things that God has called us to do. We're continuing, really, the legacy of what some of these reformers began. You may not know this, but next month, our church, Valley Point, will turn 46 years old. We're going to celebrate our birthday. We're going to have a wonderful time doing that next month. I thought it would be kind of fun, since we're looking into history, just to review the history of Valley Point Church. Some of you may know a little bit about this, some of you may not, so I thought it would be healthy for us to review, so let's do that. In 1971, there's a group of people who got together and really sensed that God was calling them to plant a church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania, and that's exactly what they did. So our church began in 1971. What happened next is that in 1974, they purchased what we now call the Bethel Road Campus. And there they constructed a church and they began meeting on Bethel Road from 1974 until 2005. So they had several years of gathering and meeting on that piece of property. What happened in 2005 is that the church grew to the point where they needed a little more space. That's when the middle school became available And so in 2005, we started meeting right here in this space. That was 12 years ago. In 10 more weeks, we are going to travel back to that Bethel Road piece of property where a new building is being constructed, and we will begin gathering and meeting and worshiping there again. And I don't even think we can imagine what God is going to do and what he is going to accomplish in and through us. I have a few thoughts and dreams, but honestly, I don't think we can imagine what God is going to do. Valley Point Church, we have a great past that started in 1971, and I believe we have a glorious future. But here's what we need to know. Before 1971, there was still a church story. Church history doesn't begin with Valley Point Church. It goes way back. It goes back to the Reformation time frame and medieval time frame periods during the 16th century where some brave women and men stood up for some truth. And our story is really attached to that story of the Reformation. And a lot of what we do today is because of what they accomplished and what they stood for several years ago. And so the story continues. This is great stuff for us to consider. 500 years ago, great people standing up for truth, for faith, and we're seeking to continue to do that today. Let me share a walking path for how we're going to approach our conversation today. I'm going to share a big idea in just a moment that will frame 
our conversation. And then I want to dive into Romans chapter 3. This is an incredible paragraph of scripture. It may just become your favorite. Now, I know I said that last week about Ephesians chapter 2, and perhaps that has become your favorite piece of scripture. If you didn't grab Ephesians chapter 2 last week, I think Romans chapter 3 is going to speak to you today, and it really may become your favorite set of scripture there. Romans chapter 3, we'll talk through that in just a moment. Then I'm going to share with you two key words that will again frame a little bit of what happened 500 years ago and how that's still impacting us today. That comes out of Romans chapter 3. Two key words, and then I've got some takeaways for you, okay? That's where we're headed. I want to encourage you to take out your Bible, get your device ready, your talk notes, get a pen, and fill in some blanks and take some good notes as that will help us to stay engaged together. Let me begin with our big idea, which says this, faith in Jesus is our only means of enjoying God forever. Faith or trust is a way we can define that. We'll think through that a little bit as well. Faith or trust in Jesus is our only means of enjoying God forever. So there's not multiple ways to enjoy God. There really is only one way, but out of his gracious, loving generosity, he has provided that way for us through the person of Jesus. The reformers referred to this as sola fide. That's what they called this. Sola is the Latin word for alone or only, and fide is the Latin word for faith. So we enjoy a relationship with God forever through faith and through faith alone. The reformers were resolute about the fact that it wasn't faith plus effort, human effort. It wasn't faith plus a little bit of goodness mixed into all of that. No, it was faith and faith alone. They were convinced of this based on what they read in passages like Romans chapter 3. So if you have your Bible or your device, go ahead and find that. Romans chapter 3, I'm going to begin reading with verse 21. These words will also appear on the screen. Again, this may become your favorite passage. Here we go. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Very good news here. Very good news. And one of the key questions that was being raised in the Reformation is, how can we know God? Can we really be right with him? It's one of the profound questions that they wrestled with. And so here we find, let's read it again. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. I think the question becomes how? How do we get that? How do we know that? Because it sounds good. And maybe you're asking yourself that question. How can I be right with God? How's that possible? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for 
everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And this is just a beautiful verse that talks about the inclusivity of the gospel. It is for everybody. Yes, everybody. This is fantastic. Here comes some bad news, though. Ready? Verse 23. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. That's the bad news, and that's true of me. I am a sinner, and I fall way short of God's glorious standard. That's true of me. And that's true of everybody here as well. It's bad news, but that's just the truth. We all have sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. But look at verse 24 now. It says, yet God, in his grace, we talked about grace last week. Remember, sola gratia, grace alone, undeserved favor. This is what God extends. And we're talking about that here again in Romans chapter three. Yet God, he extends this undeserved favor and he freely makes us right in his sight. God in his grace, he freely makes us right in his sight. The wording here indicates that we are declared righteous And the theological word for that is justification. As a matter of fact, your version might even say, yet God in his grace, he has justified us. It's just an incredible word. It's a legal pronouncement that our sins are taken care of and cleaned up by God himself. As if that wasn't enough, because that's a pretty good thing. God hasn't just cleaned up our sins and taken care of that. He has actually given us a right standing before him. Those two things work together. That's the idea. That's the heart of being justified. We are declared right. Sin taken care of and we're viewed in a right standing before God. It's amazing. It goes on to say, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Think about that. God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. And here it comes. Again, the passage is going to wrap up, at least what we're reading right now, by reiterating what we find in verse 21 People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Okay, I want to walk through these two key words now. And I think as we do this, it's going to help us understand how can I be right with God? By the way, maybe you're here and that's a question you're asking. You're wondering about God and how can I have a relationship with him? You hear us talk about that. And maybe that's rolling around in your mind a bit. How can I be right with God? And what's the deal with Jesus? And why is he so important? Well, I want to speak into that today. So maybe you're considering that question. Again, I hope that you'll walk away encouraged with a few answers. Maybe you're here and you'd say, you know, I get all of that. And I've placed my faith in Jesus. I've trusted in him alone. I understand this. I want you to walk away today refreshed with the miracle that happened inside of you when you trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you. 
because something happened on the inside that is glorious. And often the longer we walk with Christ and the longer we follow him, we just kind of forget about that miracle that happened on the inside. And we're like, yeah, I'm saved and I'm just living my life. And everything gets in the way of that miracle. And we forget about how incredible it is. So if you haven't trusted Christ yet, you're kind of kicking the tires, trying to figure out if he is for you. I want you to see these two key words and what it means for you and how you can respond to that. If you have trusted, I want you to be refreshed and blown away once again with what happened on the inside. And hopefully that puts a little bit of bounce in our step. Okay, this is great stuff. Are you ready? Here's the first key word, justification. And here's what it means, to declare righteous. If you've trusted in Jesus alone, you have been justified. You were declared righteous before God. And if you dive into the pages of scripture, what you'll discover is that you were justified instantaneously. You were declared right instantly. It's not a process. You can't earn that. You were declared righteous instantaneously by God himself. So he doesn't send a lower ranking official to take care of our mess. We are declared righteous. We get this right standing declaration by God himself and the channel is faith. So instantaneously, when we bow to the almighty and say, I'm putting my faith in Jesus alone, instantaneously, I am declared righteous by God himself and it is through faith. Wow. I thought you might break out into spontaneous clapping or something because that is fairly remarkable. This is the idea of justification, being declared righteous instantaneously by God himself. That's what happened inside of us if we trusted. Let me give you a visual for what this looks like. I want to illustrate it this way. And this is something that I've shared with you before. So for many of you, it should feel like a review Let's think about pre-justification. And maybe you find yourself there. You haven't trusted in Christ yet. Again, you're still thinking about this. It just hasn't been the right time for you for whatever reason. You would say you're on the front side of justification. You haven't trusted Christ yet. Well, let's just think about what that means for you. And again, if you have trusted, this is what transpired inside. Let's think about our debts before coming to Christ. Each thought, act, or motive violates God's standard. Well, that doesn't sound good, does it? No. And there's more. Personal sins accumulate as long as a person lives. So there is a sense, before I am declared right before God, the debt column is bursting. Now, do we have any assets? Let's check that out. Any assets? no assets. Now, I'm not a financial wizard, but if you have more debt than assets, eventually you run into a serious problem. And before we trust in Jesus alone, that's actually where we find ourselves. We have a problem because these debts, these sins are piling up and 
our asset column is empty. We actually have nothing to offer. We need a divine righteousness, which God in his generosity provides for us. And that's what makes the whole story of coming to faith absolutely incredible. So let's think about post-justification now. I've trusted in Christ alone. Let's think about our debts. Here you go. The merits of Christ's death are credited to our account and all debits are erased. So the merits of his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that's credited to our debt column and it is actually erased. Do we have any assets? Well, get this. We don't bring any assets to the column, but the merits of Christ's life are credited to our account. They are given to us and the assets column is full. And that's what happens when a person puts their faith in Jesus alone. The merits of Christ's death are credited to the sin column and that is taken away for you. And in terms of assets, the righteousness of Christ's life, the merits of that are given to us. And now the asset column is full, even overflowing. Again, quite remarkable. I would say this, justification, and I want you to hear this, so look up here for just a moment. Justification is the most profound turning point in a person's life. I honestly believe that. And nothing beats this, coming to Christ, having our debts erased, and having the merits of Christ's righteousness credited to us. That is an incredible gift. And we needed a divine righteousness in order to be right with God. He knew that, and he provided that for us. Quite remarkable. And that's what happened inside of you when you trusted in Jesus alone. Small thing? No, not at all. That's a huge thing and should cause us to be extremely humble, especially before God. Okay, God, you took care of my sin problem through the death of Christ, and you have credited his righteousness to me as well. Wow, here's my life. Here's my life. So when we think about justification, this important turning point in our lives, if we've trusted in Christ, if that has happened for us, we should be incredibly humble. Let's think about the second key word. It's the word faith, which means trust. I want to go back to our paragraph. Verse 22, we've already read this, but here it is again. We are made right with God by placing our, say the word with me, faith, our trust, in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Now, let's put these two words together. We've got justification, being declared righteous, and the word faith, which means trust. Let's put these two words together. Justifying faith. Justifying faith. It's a wonderful thing. I want to invite you for a few moments to splash around in the deep end of the pool of justifying faith. I want to share five statements with you that are somewhat complex and hopefully you'll find them to be interesting, but I believe they give a tremendous amount of clarity to justifying faith. 
You'll find these written in your program. Here they are on the screen as well. Here's thought number one when it comes to justifying faith. Justifying faith is not devoid of knowledge. All right? That's important for us to know. And I like to emphasize that because often in culture, you will hear people say, you know, Christianity, faith, that's just a thing for people who are mentally soft. It's a crutch for the mentally weak. They just need that to kind of prop themselves up. If you were whole, healthy, whatever, you wouldn't need Christ or faith or Christianity. When you think about justifying faith, whether we get it all or not, whether we understand it or can even explain it, it is not devoid of knowledge. Something happened. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Something happened, and when we place our trust in that alone, well, there's some knowledge there that's transpired, and we're assenting to that. It's a beautiful thing. So Christianity is not a crutch for the weak. It's not devoid of knowledge. Get this, it's also more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling. To illustrate that, let me, let me give you a song, all right? You, you're going to be able to remember this, okay? Here we go. Now, to get into the song, I, I've got a... This is my guitar, all right? Some of you just woke up. Welcome back. Welcome back to Justifying Faith. It's more than a feeling. When I hear that old song play again, right? It's more than a la da la da 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 Yeah, I don't know the words. I don't know the words. So Boston, 1976. I don't believe that was a song about Marianne walking away. I think it's a song about justification, or at least that's what I want you to begin thinking about now. Because justifying faith, it's more than a feeling. Quite honestly, there are days where I don't feel justified because of how I think and how I behave. And maybe you feel the same way. And that actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because justifying faith is based on knowledge. Secondly, it is one thing to know intellectually that Romans, the verses that we've read, speaks of depravity. It is something else to believe that those things are true of me. Justifying faith involves assent. So we find in scripture, we are all sinners. We all fall short of the glorious standard of God. I have to assent to that. It's one thing to just know that's there. I have to believe that's true of me. All right, statement number three. There must be a choice. If we want to experience justifying faith, there must be a choice, right? God doesn't force himself on us. We have to choose to trust. There has to be a reliance on Christ alone, there has to be a sense where there is righteousness of someone else that I need because I can't do this on my own. And again, God provided the righteousness of Jesus for us. And so there must be a choice, a reliance on Christ. We really have to do more than believe. By the way, there is scripture that indicates the devil himself believes. That's a frightening thought. 
Yeah, 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 I believe in God. Of course I do. Well, even the devil believes in God. I was just having this conversation with our elders on Thursday night. We had a wonderful conversation about faith and about the Reformation. And we talked about how the devil believes. I would even go as far to say that he has assent. That he knows there are some things that are true of him. So what's the difference? Well, what's missing is that his will is opposed to God. He hasn't made the choice to rely on Christ alone. So if we want justifying faith, if we want our debt column erased and the asset column bursting, there must be a choice, a reliance on Christ alone. Number four, faith is the channel of justification. So faith is the way that we are declared right by God. Now, some religious systems say, you can be justified, and that's good news. You can have a right standing with God, that's possible. When you do, when you try, when you put in effort, and that becomes the path to being declared right with God, it's faith, sure, but you got to add a little something to that, that becomes the pathway for being made right with God. And the reformers said, no, no. And they went back to the clear teaching of scripture and passages like what we've read here in Romans chapter three that talk about we are made right with God through the person of Christ. And when we place our faith in him, faith is the channel. That's how we're declared right. Scripture's very clear on that, very clear. Number five, the strength And this is good news for all of us. The strength of one's faith is not relevant to justification. The strength of your faith or the strength of my faith and how confident or not we may be is not relevant to justification. Here's why. God declares a sinner righteous solely on the basis and merits of Christ's righteousness. So if I'm shaky about all of this, it doesn't matter because there's no effort I can bring to it. It's faith alone. This gives us a right standing before God. It's all based on the merits of Christ's righteousness. And that's good news for us because if you're like me, sometimes we feel a little shaky in our standing before God. I love this quote from Martin Luther. We've been talking about him for several weeks. He's one of the leaders of the Reformation Here's what he says about shaky faith. Two persons may hold a glass of wine in their hands. The hand of the one trembles. The hand of the other does not. Two persons may hold a purse full of money. One with a weak hand. The other with a strong hand. You can keep going. Thank you. Whether the hand is strong or weak, think about this now, whether the hand is strong or weak, it neither increases nor decreases the content of the purse. Does that make sense? So whether you hold this purse with a shaky hand or a strong hand, the contents in the purse are the same. And so here's what Martin Luther said. So the only difference between St. Paul, one of the writers of scripture, and me is the fact that he holds this treasure more firmly than I. I want everybody to understand and know, even when we get shaky about our faith, if we have trusted in Jesus alone, our shakiness ultimately does not matter because our right standing before God is based on the merits of Christ's righteousness, not mine. 
not mine. Back to the text. Verse 27. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? That's a great question. And the writer says, no, no, we can't boast that we've done anything to be accepted by God because our acquittal, this is a legal term here, our pardon is not based on obeying the law. It is based on, say the word with me, faith. So, and he just reiterates once again what he's already said. Here it comes. Here's how we're made right with God. We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Have two takeaways. Number one, if you've trusted in Jesus alone, walk with confidence, okay? Walk with confidence. There's nothing you did to earn your salvation. There's nothing you can do to lose it. Because again, it's based on the merits of Christ's righteousness. So if you've trusted, walk with confidence, because it's not about you, it's about the ultimate sacrifice of Christ and how that was enough. It was enough. Secondly, if you have never trusted in Jesus alone, you can, you can, and you should, because this is how our debts are erased and that asset column becomes bursting with the righteousness of Christ. If you've never trusted in him alone, you can and you should. And that's the message of sola fide, faith alone. Father, we come before you on this Sunday and we're amazed at what we find in passages like Romans chapter 3. Great stuff here. Great stuff. And the clarity we find is that the question is asked, how does a person get right with God? And this is something the reformers asked. Many people have wrestled with this over the years. I'm sure that people in the room right now are struggling with that as well. Asking the question, I want to be right with God? Sounds wonderful. Well, in Romans chapter 3, you, you give a clear path for us. We are made right with God when we trust in Jesus. And when that happens when we make that choice, when we assent to that, we are justified. We are declared righteous instantly by you, not by somebody else, but by God, creator, inventor, the one over all and above all, you declare us righteous instantly in that moment and it all happens by faith, by faith. We can't add anything to that. So God, I pray that you'd help those individuals in the room who are wrestling with this and maybe they're taking faith and trying to add stuff to that. Help them to stop because they'll never be able to do enough. You've already provided a divine righteousness for us and you ask us to believe. You ask us to believe. So God, I just pray that as we walk through these next few moments, those that are trying to think through Jesus, who he is and what he offers, that you'd encourage them and speak to them. God, I pray for others who maybe have made that decision and 
maybe faith has become a little boring or cold, that you would just inspire them with the miracle that transpired the moment we trusted. What an incredible thing that you've done for us, all initiated by faith. So speak to us now as we respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.